of the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez here with Brad Binkley, and we are going to focus on what is apparently <laughs> continues to be a national story, but it's big news in uh, in our neck of the woods in Atlanta, and it's this uh, Ossoff handle race flip the sixth that's the sixth district tom price left congressman tom price left to be the head of health and human services for trump and left this super significant hotly contested district uh originally turned red republican red by newt gingrich and now these guys are duking it out but if you haven't followed it there's a big debate on last night on tuesday and it's this, it's this, like, I think he's like 30 years old. He debated his ass off last night. <laughs> How are you doing, Binkley? I'm good. You tweeted the crap out of that debate. I was busy with the kids. But. Well, it was like watching both of their campaign commercials with moderators pushed in between of them. Questions that meant nothing. It was... So unbelievably boring. I I watch. I always wait for debate. I well, when I want to tweet them, I don't wait. But if I if I can possibly get away with watching it later, it's so much better because you can watch it on like faster speed on YouTube. Even at like one point five times speed, I was like could not pay attention to it. It was so full of platitudes. And what annoyed me about it the most is. Okay, so there was a book written called Liberal Fascism. But I had coined the phrase long before that book when I lived in, when the first time I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, they had this, uh, Diane Feinstein, I think, had been the mayor. Not when I lived there, but like prior to that. And and she had run this campaign to get rid of the O'Farrelly Brothers Theater. I don't know, whatever it was. It was some like record-breaking or like um, unprecedented girly movie house or something like that. And I was like, really? I thought liberals were supposed to let you do what you want. They just wanted to steal your money. And conservatives didn't want to steal your money, but wanted to tell you what to do. Like, And then I realized that everybody wants to steal your money and tell you what to do. It's the liberal fascist center. Yeah. And it applies to both parties. The book, Liberal Fascism, was about liberals who are also fascists. But these guys handle an Asaf. Absolutely exemplified for me the that they were falling all over each other talking about how no you didn't you weren't you didn't advocate enough bombing Syria you didn't you didn't want to bomb Syria soon enough Ossoff accused Handel of not supporting Obama's efforts to bomb Syria and Handel was absolutely uh self-righteously indignant against Ossoff for thinking that she wouldn't do everything she could to tell private insurance companies right. that they had to insure certain people and that she wouldn't absolutely steal people's money to put it in very emotional areas like children and women who need it for help. Yeah. You know? And she said, I, I do not have to stand here and take that from you, John. Young man. <laughs> Which she didn't say, but, you know, and he, he was mammy <laughs> with all due respect, with all due yeah. respect, I thought I was watching Ricky Bobby for a minute. He kept saying <laughs> the term so many times. 
So it was awful. And I have to say what I, I was telling you earlier was that I, I'm really like they started, they started the debate with the moderator said, everyone knows we are being pelted with terrorism or bombarded with terrorism, overwhelmed by terrorism. Are we doing enough? And I'm like, okay, unless you're going to start putting the U.S. government on trial for what they've done to promote terrorism in the world, then yes, we are not doing enough. But neither of them said that. But it just makes me sad when the Democrats and the Republicans are all, I mean, it's just like the Republicans now fostering populism and welfare and all that stuff. This like new right the same thing with the left. I mean, they just, they pound the table for war. They can all agree on war. And it's and it's like bombing Syria for what Syria does to its own people. Ask the Syrian people if they want your humanitarian bombs. They don't. Yeah. You know? I have to they say, don't. something that really irritates me about Ossoff is, is the way that he talks about Syria. And he does this in his interviews as well. Is he always says, he always says, continue to, to take it. Take it to ISIS over in Syria. He uses that phrase. Take it yes, to ISIS. I, over. That's the first thing I've written. Like, like he's some sort of badass or something. Oh, and he's such a punk. Oh, what? And, and then he says, "But what we shouldn't do is get bogged down in a in a land war." Is that what Democrats say? Whatever. Blah yeah. blah blah. Everybody. You know, it's like it's really really bothering. The Syria thing. Uh, it's very. I I wrote had a glossary entry. I hate to like already derail the conversation, but it's relevant. I had a glossary entry last week about this precautionary principle, which is an environmental thing where you have to have laws against stuff, even if you don't know whether it's good or bad, just in case. And that was kind of an offshoot of this preemptive preemption principle, which is you can, you can attack a country and call it defensive because you're sure they were going to attack you anyway. And it came from, it's called the preemptive war, and it's, it's aggression is what it is. But it came from this document called A Clean Break, which was made by an American think tank, American State Department guys for Israel, saying how it was called a, a strategy for securing the realm. It's like 20 years old, maybe more. And one of the first examples it used, it says, let's bring back this concept of preemption to attack Syria. So we can attack them before they attack us, kind of in the way that we uh, attacked Egypt in the Six-Day War. We, we knew they were going to attack us, so we attacked them. So that was the example I did this week, last week. This week in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article that said, uh, we might have to attack Syria preemptively the way we attacked Egypt in the Six-Day War. It was like, uh, and it said, Syria may prompt a new Six-Day War. So... There's this all this underlying geopolitics from the Middle East dating back decades about Syria. It is not about killing. I mean, millions of Syrians are displaced. Hundreds of thousands have died. And it's not about a handful of people getting chemical weapon attacked, which was not a side anyway. But even if it were, I mean, the cost is insane. And it's not about that. And for, you know, I don't know if Ossoff knows or, you know, what do you even think about these people? Do they ever scratch the surface? Do they ever try to figure it out? Because Handel and Ossoff had the exact same talking points. They all do. I mean, in your opinion, Binkley, what do you think? Do you think that they, that these people are just reading their talking points? You think they know who, what purpose they're really serving? 
I think they have absolutely no idea what purpose they're serving. I think Ossoff knows nothing about the complexities of Syria. I think all he knows is repeating a script and making it sound like Obama while folks are Yes, listening. yes. And it is. It was so repetitive. Like, anytime they would have follow-up question, and he would just repeat the original... Contributions is less than $50. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you can get all of your friends to donate 10 cents and really yes, build up the amount. Yes, of course. Of course. It was so obvious. I mean, in two seconds, I was like, really? But... Um, it was so obvious how you could manipulate that math. Uh, yes, it, it was very clear that he had memorized a list. And I think he turned down and offered a debate on CNN, I think, uh, if, if not others as well, because he does not want to make his national de- debut that way. Obviously, Handel has way more experience. There was something funny that somebody tweeted because, you know, you watch the tweets and there's the handle people and then there's the Ossoff people and they're looking at the exact same thing and just interpreting yes. it in completely opposite ways. You know, Ossoff kept looking down while handle was talking and these Ossoff people were tweeting, oh, look at him. He's taking notes and writing down everything that, that she says so he can, you know, come back to that point and, and, you know, rebuke it later. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's saying the exact same thing. His campaign ads say he's not writing down what he's drawing oh. pictures of penises. <laughs> probably what he's doing. He's probably writing down the words that they told him to say. Oh, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like he can like, Oh, I wish you would stop talking. Cause I'm going to forget what I was going right. to say. Just the idea that he's actively listening and he's, he's digesting and writing down these. I mean, insights. that's the thing. I wonder that sometimes, even with like the news media, you wonder at what point, you know, how much stuff is actually coming out of Megyn Kelly's head. I mean, but they're, most of the time, those checks, they can really, basically, it's not, this is going to sound really sexist, but it's not that, you know, you're looking at like, how smart can a good looking chick be on the theory, on the theory that my husband has about guitar players are always ugly. Because guys who can actually get chicks yeah, aren't right. sitting in their rooms I've playing heard the guitar. That theory, yeah. yeah, so so good looking chicks not like they're inherently stupid. It's just that they have better things to do than egghead out in their rooms. But the, these chicks aren't even necessarily that good looking. They're just skinny, and you can really do a lot with makeup and everything. And a lot of them are lawyers. I think Megyn Kelly was a lawyer. That Guilfoyle was a lawyer. So Megyn Kelly worked for a firm. A, a global firm that sits on the advisory board of John Ossoff's dad's company. Just a fun fact. So she worked for, what was the name of the firm? I can't rem- remember that specific firm. There's so many of them. I have it uh, written down. Because right, some of these firms are like like this firm that Eric Holder works for, or works for now, and I think works for before. Was it Sullivan and Cromwell? Or, no, it's a different one. But... Uh, Cravath Swain, I think. These go back. I like to read mid-century deep state stuff. Oh, like they're that. really old, yeah. Yeah, I like to read. And I know you do too, but I, I read like the – you read the like propagandists, the guys who are actually making the plans. I read that too, but I read uh, even exposés from back then where, where people were seeing this stuff coming. And these old white shoe firms, they used to call them, were running the deep state – way back when. I mean, they were the beginning of it. They were the beginning of the CIA. There were people going back and forth, um, taking over the deep state out of these firms. And uh, so I wonder if it's one of those types of things. But 
Yes. I I'm shouldn't gonna, say, you know, yes. it sounds, it sounds like, <laughs> say that again. I'm going to say, one? yes, it is. Well, uh, <laughs> but some of them you can just recognize the name. It's, it's not fair to generalize like that about whatever good looking chicks. I, my point was really that even the guys, like you just, you see them, Anderson Cooper, I think, is a highly trained CIA operative. I really do. Like he was his only job outside of the media was at the CIA for a couple of years. I think they really trained them how to think. They pick them young. They can talk. But the ones um, you're just your run of the mill media person or anchor person, like the one who they pranked with the Asiana Airlines thing. Yeah. Where the where the she was like said all the <laughs> totally racist names of the of the pilot and everything, the joke yeah, names yeah. that like that person is just not, not the one who's thinking through what's being talked about. You know what I mean? I just, I feel like they're separating out the, the face from the brain more and more like in the media and in politics. So the, the, the talking head is not the brains of the operation. Absolutely. They're, they're simply, like you said, they're a public relations mouthpiece to their, they're an empty shell to deliver what those who are pulling the strings tell them they must. And yes. Ossoff does that. I mean, he repeated the same thing so many times in, in that debate over and over again. Yeah. I mean, he obviously had, he had, in my opinion, no polish and no content. Whereas Handel, who did not blow me away by any means, no. <laughs> obviously she she had a little something. And actually her absolute best moment in the entire debate, in my opinion, was when Ossoff asked her the question that he had prepared to ask her, even though she had already slapped him down a couple of times on it. It was that Susan G. Komen thing. She yeah. was the one who had resigned when Komen was no, no longer, was trying not to fund Planned Parenthood anymore. But in my mind, first of all, that issue alone is bound to backfire because people, you can, you can fool people a lot about the liberal stuff, but people in Georgia, I think, were, would think of her efforts in that regard as heroic. I, I think that people are repeating his talking point on that who support him blindly. I, I think that they're not checking to see the reality of it. I, every time I But even, even what he accused her of is would get her more votes in my opinion. If she actually led the charge against Komen funding Planned Parenthood, I would say more than 50% of the people in his district would like her for it. Yeah, but that's not how he frames it. He frames it as her taking money away from people who needed to get checked oh, for cancer. Yes, but and they, that's how but, it's framed. But they don't they didn't give mammograms. That was the story that that she said they had data that right. the results that Planned Parenthood does nothing for breast cancer screen like it doesn't no good comes of it it's a waste of money she was saying but i heard that no, I, was, I, I get what she's saying but what i, what <laughs> no, I was listening is, but you're right like nobody's listening it, to her if they like him it is what ossoff says and he repeats because like yeah. when i tweet something about ossoff there's this bot who <laughs> i think it's a real person who has these programmed responses replies with the same thing every time and it's always that cancer thing karen handle took screenings away from people with cancer every so single do you think time. it's really a bot well i responded one time and said are you a bot this isn't even a reply to what i said yeah and it's and did, it, did it get you the same reply again no he he responded that time but then he kept responding with that same cancer comment with other things I said, and, and I every now and then I'll reply to him, and I'll be like, are you even reading the things that I'm saying? Because <laughs> right. what you're saying has no relation to it. 
Okay. And I never said I supported Karen Handel, not, not at any point in time. No. Oh, that's the thing that really, that, I mean, I get that all day. That's like when that chick on Facebook called me a socialist for thinking Trump is yeah. a crime. Like, how am I, as a, uh, Trump himself would ad- definitely acknowledge that he is more of a socialist than I am. He would want to just, he'd rather be called a socialist than an anarcho-capitalist. Absolutely. I, I got so many tweets last night of people just assuming that I'm supporting Karen Handel and assuming I'm this hardcore conservative, just bashing the things that I said without responding to anything that I... But he's just the worst. And how anyone, you have to absolutely, maybe this is why he mimics Obama, because he's going for the same effect, which is you have to just blindly, like my classic, that I repeat over and over again, the analogy, like it's just, he's going for the psychic paper thing where I am a blank piece of paper project your liberal, you know, your benevolent dictator fantasy onto me, you know? And and that's what Obama did. And Obama, but Obama was actually very, the way he talked, it was charming and it had some charisma to it. He had magnetism, yeah. Yeah, magnetism. This guy, uh, it's awful. (laughs) He's a robot. Like I was watching that debate and this, probably didn't make sense to a lot of people, but it did to me as I was watching it. I'm looking at Karen Handel's bright red sport coat that she's wearing, and she's yeah. being kind of whiny the whole time. She, she reminded me of, <laughs> of, a, of a bruised apple fighting with an iPhone 3. You know, <laughs> oh, you should draw a cartoon like that. Yeah, yeah. That would be great, duking it out. Like, he's in the first model. They're, they're trying to figure out the kinks in the first model. Uh, yes. Next one's going to look slightly like him, going to look kind of like Ossoff, maybe a little bigger. No, he, he is the – it's Kushner. Yeah, he does Kushner look like is Kushner. the iPhone 6. Kushner <laughs> yes. is the Kushner's the newer model. He's not allowed to talk either. Kushner doesn't have Siri yet. I've never heard him talk. <laughs> never. That's why that Saturday Night Live skit was so awesome. Um, Maybe he talks in his mind. He's so advanced. Yeah, it was the one where, what's his name, who I cannot stand? Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, Fallon played a good, he did play a good Kushner. He did, but all Fallon does is laugh at himself. Yeah, I yeah. always feel like, you know, it, it was so Fallon being, you know, like, I think he actually had, was holding a mirror and looking at himself in it, you know, which is totally Fallon anyway. So it might as well be Kushner. And yeah. But uh, Kushner ha- is, again, the same, you know, they just feel like puppets that they're trying. I feel like there's this new strategy to get your your puppet in when they're really, really young. So yep. that they can be like the 50-year congressman. They can be the Strom Thurmond or whatever. Like, you know, just lock up that district forever. Get your deep crony roots in there and just serve the dark lords at, for, for from within. A lifetime. Humor style, yeah. And you have a lot of like, you're still getting more and more kind of dark lord stuff out of his dad, are you not? Oh, his his dad, I'm starting to believe that his is dad, like, we talk about they and who's at the top. I'm starting to believe his dad is the guy at the top. <laughs> That's why you don't know. You know who's like that? That guy, Mercer. Ever look at the guy? There's a guy named Mercer who, like, you've heard of him so little. Maybe do you recognize that name, Mercer, Rebecca Mercer? Oh, I was going to say he just goes by Mercer. 
his his I forget his first name. That's how. Are they from Atlanta? Know, huh? Are they from Atlanta? He's British, I think. Oh, oh that's what, yeah, that's right. What you just said is the key. That's the thing about it. It's the um, they're they're in the shadows, like they're, they're yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it's only the ones whose names you don't know. And that's what Bernays talked about all the time in, yeah, and in that's, propaganda. That's, you stay in the shadows because you know you you don't want to be seen. If the puppet master is not hidden behind the the high, behind the stage behind the curtain, then you're going to see the strings. Instead, right. All we see and, is something that that look that looks that's why, real, but clearly is artificial. And these puppets have to be carefully crafted two dimensional images. I, I hate to say it, like Trump, like Obama. You know, I'm not saying they're not human beings. I'm just saying that their persona has been managed for so long that even when you get to the depths, they're not really depths. And this guy Asaf is a created person. He's not right. polished in the slightest bit. I mean, he is totally pupil, like he's a pupa. <laughs> he's yeah, not. He's not. He's not ready yet. But they're putting him in there before he's ready so that he can kind of, you know, uh, grow into the job. But it's his dad. Uh, I don't I don't know. You're you, I'm interested in what you've come up with. Well, but the fact that he's that his dad does stay in the shadows. Now, Ossoff himself is out there. So that's going to shine some light on his dad. But they're not shining the light on the dad. Right. Has Karen Handel ever asked him, like, you know, what's you want to reform the tax code and your dad's entire fortune depends on an opaque tax code? No one has said anything about his father. So either Karen Handel hasn't done any research or she's not really trying because. Is there, is there, is there like an unspoken rule that you can never ever do that? Because with a guy who's 30, you kind of, you know, what, what, what is there to look at? I mean, it's not like, you know, you're attacking George W. Bush about his 95 year old father I did that on the air once. I, I think that's the thing, accident. though. A lot of people actually do that. So. I, I did it by accident. I did not mean to. I had just read this crazy book of like how bad these guys had been with like the bank, BCCI, like all the corruption and everything. And uh, I just it was so down on HW. But boy, people went bananas. Yeah. <laughs> He's a president. He's sick. And I was just like, ah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. If the father or the person that you're going after that's connected with the candidate is the person who's pulling the strings, is the person yes. who has the influential power, then yes. you need to understand because you're giving right. power to this person by voting. Right. A vote for John Ossoff is giving yeah. power to his father, his mother, and the gaggle of multinational billion-dollar lobbyists and tax corporations that he works with, that he's in bed with. Yeah, yeah. So you need to know about it. It's like the husband-wife thing, you know, where the the spouse takes over the job or um, like with Putin, when Medvedev or whatever his name is, like his prime minister became president because like the law wouldn't let Putin be president again. yeah, yeah. When Obama said to him, hey, man, you got to cut me some slack till after the election, then we can can do all the deals you want. He's like, okay, I'll tell Vladimir. (laughs) So... The president was saying, I'm going to go tell this other guy who is obviously the real president. So it would be hard to believe that Asaf, who's 30 uh, and, and went to graduate school, so it like hasn't even really been in the world that much, and, and his 
all this money, all these people. He, it's the most congr- most expensive congressional race ever, and it's almost all his money, which Karen Handel might have pointed out the ratio of him to her. But he's going to be beholden to those people. It's not just like this Democrats for Democrats sake that he individually is going to be beholden to the people who put him in. Absolutely. He was was out of nowhere. Like nobody knew who he was. It's not a grassroots thing. His whole claim about we need somebody who is fresh, independent, can make decisions for the people in Washington and fight. I mean, that's such a joke. He is absolutely. He he acts like he is an independent. He's not an independent. He's a Democrat. (laughs) No. And he's not making decisions free from influence. He's he's absolutely influenced, just like you said, by these people who kind of put him where he is. And and the people who are donating five cents and ten cents so he can get the number of people up so he can make this claim, it's not those people who have control. It's not the people in the Georgia 6th District who who he's going to be looking out for. It's the people who – it's his father. And people his father works with. So that, that's why that claim he's making is total BS. I mean, I'd but, like to know who's paying his bills. Like, does he earn enough in a year to pay for his food and clothing and apartment? The guy probably used to take a limo to kindergarten. He, he's had plenty of money his whole life. Yeah. And he got a big inheritance from his his. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. And what was funny in that debate <laughs> is at one point he defended his, like, Karen, uh, Karen Handel ask the question so who are you gonna vote for i love that i thought that was funny and he's like oh is that is that your question trying to mock her with a little yeah yeah and so he defended that by saying so i live in the i don't live in the sixth district right now i grew up there right now you know i'm i'm uh helping my helping my girlfriend get through medical school and i don't mind supporting her up what so he he puts his girlfriend throws throws her under the bus says he has to support her I mean that that's that's sexist. Yeah, that, talking that about was it was weird. Anyway, I did think it was weird. I, 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 I just know, I just now thought about that. He he was basically saying that his poor girlfriend is so helpless that he has to live outside the district of the people. He and to say he's supporting her, I'd like to know what. Did, she, is she not from a rich family? Uh, yeah. Well, she used to work for. Bill Gates, one of Bill Gates's foundations. She, she is just as globalist as he is, oh, based on the research I found so far. I don't know much about her family, but she went to the same elementary school or middle oh. school, high school. You know, and this, this school is twenty three thousand dollars a year. I have never met anyone who went to that school. Yeah, it's not going to be the uh, typical Georgia experience going to this school. It, his Ossoff's dad, by the way, Richard Ossoff, was, is a board member, a trustee. Of this school, he he makes important decisions about what happens at this school. The school is like has what is it, like fifty acres or something like that, and it's just massive, you know. And only one percent of Georgia students go to this school. They're probably all white people for the it most can't part. Be even one percent. Yeah, I, I read something about it, and it's really small percentage. It has to be less than one percent. One in a hundred kids goes there. No way. Yeah, I was looking at the demographics of these types of schools, and you know, people talk about, you know, John Ossoff. He's running as a Democrat, so he's you know, progressive values, equality. These 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 schools are filled with white kids. The yeah. board, the advisory board of John Ossoff of, of Richard Ossoff's company, is filled with old white men 
who were the richest people in the world. There's a couple of women there. Just go start clicking down the list of the advisory board at StraffordPub.com and, and make a check check mark ratio of, of white men compared to everybody else. And, I actually, you know, I don't care at all about that stuff except for that there is one when you start to get to like the English roots of money and privilege and world power. It's not. It's not like when I lived in Texas. Worked at a bank. It, the old boys network was just old white guys. Like there was no, I mean, they used to <laughs> have lunch at strip clubs. So in New York, I would go with them. You know, they would have bachelor parties and I would just go with them. Like I didn't get off on the strip club, but they didn't care if I was there. And I was like, going to let them all go out, you know, till four in the morning, have stories to tell and not be a part of the crowd. And they didn't care. But Did you Texas, try to talk economics while they're getting I would. I mean, I am such a nerd. Like, if I was not interested, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I just figured something out. <laughs> like, no, shut up. <laughs> but I do like to drink, so I was definitely uh, occupied. So, but in Texas, it's not like that. It's not, It's like old boys that, you know, they have country clubs they belong to, so you can't go. There are all-male clubs. My friend... Uh, was a doctor and she paid for her husband's all male club, you know? And I was like, but you're, <laughs> you're not allowed to go. I think, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's how I think I remembered it. And, uh, and, and so she paid for his membership to it. Like she had a bunch of club memberships that I remember she used to pay for the club memberships. And, uh, and well, I was like, Oh, do you, what? I never even heard of that one. She's like, Oh, only men can go. I was like, You're paying for like, at least let him write the check. You know, at least let him, let him do that one. But, uh, <laughs> that's nice. I, I shouldn't speak out of school, but, um, but the point is just that the problem is the, is that, it's old privilege. So I'm sure yeah, old women and people of color and stuff can, you know, over time and are now already in positions of privilege. And that too will be like this clubby, cronyistic, whatever. I just, I feel like there's, it's still a point in time where when it's like that, it's reaching back. So I feel like it's the free market that liberates us from these uh, pigeonholes that the reason it was like, well, white guys in Texas is that there's like a couple of bank charters. You can't just all the people who are shut out of those deals. If they want to charge half for the same uh, services, you couldn't get a bank charter. I, I had a, somebody asked me this question on the radio once. And I, I said, yeah, like we all wanted to start chick bank. We work harder for less, but we couldn't get a charter. So it's the rules and the regulations that preserve ancient privilege. And if you read Albert J. Knox, Our Enemy the State, he talks exclusively about that, that class is solely a function of government, of force, mandated privilege. And that's how a lot of the stuff, like you were saying, his dad's uh, whole thing is tax, is teaching people how to avoid taxes. And actually the tax code is set up I think in a lot of cases to give huge companies this massive advantage because a small company, an upstart, somebody who wants to get into that business, they can't go hire Ossoff's dad to help them bring home more at the end of the day. Only the big companies can pay specialists to, to find loopholes in the regulations that give the big guys the advantage. Yes, so it's pure absolutely. privilege. The, the guy who created the, the loophole is called Section 199. I'll have to find his name in my notes. But he works for Price Waterhouse, which is mm-hmm. one of the big four mm-hmm. 
I can't think corpor- of corporations. Yeah, in, in the world, yep. at which three of them are three of those those big four are on Ossoff's dad's advice his company's advisory board, and the the specific guy who who wrote Section One Ninety Nine worked for President George W. Bush, yeah. and that is the section that that these big corporations are exploiting the most because it's vague, it's complex. And, and yeah, my father taught me that decades ago when I was a little kid. He said, what they do is they go and work for the IRS. They write these crazy rules that nobody can understand. Then they leave and they get these insanely expensive jobs teaching right. people where they put the Easter eggs. That is exactly <laughs> what this guy does. And my, my point about the about Ossoff's company or his dad's company having a bunch of old white men about the school being a, a privileged school with, with, you know, predominantly white. It wasn't that it, it, it was that the thing that people hate the most about Donald Trump, the thing, the stuff that's fueling their rage and causing them to support Ossoff is that they believe that Trump is a rich racist white dude who, <laughs> is surrounded by white men all the time who only got successful because his dad gave him money to start his business, who's, who's a sexist, who doesn't surround – who doesn't hire enough – everything that they hate about Trump oh, – oh, and also who evades taxes. Everything they hate about <laughs> Trump, John Ossoff's dad, Richard Ossoff, completely embodies. And when it like, comes to – it's, it's, it's how Trump got rich. It's, it's like a, – it's a vehicle and tool for Trump, according to these people. But with this guy, it's his very essence. Everything. It's, he it's makes his money. It's the rule itself that made him rich. It's like Trump's like, okay, I got rich because I used this rule in my real business. This guy's like, I don't even have a real business. Yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I just, just use the rule. The further that I look back at Richard Ossoff – I think they have some really old money. So they, they he might have started off pretty wealthy as well. Who was the British one? The mom? The mom was from Australia. Oh, Australia. Yeah, the Which dad's from Boston. Was- the dad has absolutely zero ties to Atlanta except for the fact that he lives here. He, he moved to Atlanta. He used to work for McKinsey & Company. McKinsey & Company, one of the biggest global consulting firms in the world they they like you said they recruit people out of harvard they have been tied there's a cia conspiracy that's tied to them they were no, that i don't know anything about can you do you have any color on that i, I could they, they the cia, the CIA hired them to to rearrange their operations back well, in 2013 yeah. everybody on earth has probably hired them Right, and, and that's my point. The biggest companies, the intelligence agencies, the biggest government. Ossoff's dad worked for this company that gets hired by the most powerful people and agencies in the world. And when he talks about it in his interviews, he talks about it like it like he worked there. You know, it was a summer fling or something like that. You can't find hardly any information about his time there. It's it's like somebody whitewashed the internet and took it away. But I found an article that talks about Ossoff from a newspaper from like 1982. And it talks about, it gave me some dates and that's what I needed. I was trying to figure out when he was at, at McKinsey. And, and I, I, I discovered looking at, looking at this information that Ossoff came to Georgia in 1978. And the reason he came to Georgia in 1978 <laughs> is because at the time he had been working for, for years for an international 
massive, one of the biggest in the world, consulting agencies. They didn't say the name of the agency in the article. It was McKinsey. I could verify this with uh, Ossoff's quote from the interview himself. So it was McKinsey he was working with. So McKinsey sent him to Atlanta to open up it says in the article to open up their Atlanta office of their global consulting firm. He was sent to Atlanta in 1978 to open up the McKinsey and Company Atlanta branch. I mean, I mean, that is a massive thing to leave out when your son is running for office in Atlanta. But I, don't, I still am not convinced uh, of the sinister nature of McKinsey. I mean, I just I've never. I, I'll have I, to give you some info. There's yes. a book. There's like a book called. Either the subtitle or the book, it's like called it "Is McKinsey and Company the Devil?" and it just goes through <laughs> all the corruption. That's what I want to see. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's um, it, this article kind of talks about it too. I couldn't even read the full article because it was so you had to pay for it to read the rest of it. But oh, it talked it's talked a lot about how these con- these consultants they get they walk a fine line, you know, you know, between uh, uh, scandal and corruption. And actually, I don't, I don't, I was, this is all news to me. I, I used to, so I went to Harvard and Stanford. I went to Harvard undergrad and I went to Stanford business school and law school. So I knew a lot of people in those places who came in from McKinsey. It was almost like somebody made a joke that you go to Stanford business school or Harvard business school to swap jobs. So all the investment bankers go in as investment bankers and come out as consultants. And all the consultants go in as consultants and come out as investment bankers. I don't think that's necessarily true, but that McKinsey was, it was the Goldman of consulting, but I never, I've, this is really from what you're telling me, the first I've ever heard of like the dark side of McKinsey. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm curious about it. And I imagine, you know, like, it wasn't yeah. Rom- Romney was a consultant like that, Mitt Romney, and didn't Snowden work for an arm of Bain Consulting, right. which was Romney's thing? So I, I I believe that there are avenues for it. I've never explored it. Yeah, they're, they're just like lobbyists. I'm interested basically. in it. And the le- the more shadowy it is, like the less I've heard of it, the more you know. The more like it's in my opinion, like we were talking earlier. The more I know and can rattle off things like George Soros, Goldman Sachs, like that's probably not you know. That's that is the tip of the iceberg. That's the stuff that's put out there, the limited hangouts that everybody knows about. It's then when you peel the layer and say, "Okay, who's Mercer?" And that you know, so people and entities and stuff that aren't always in the limelight as leading the charge for globalism. That maybe is where the uh, the real sinister stuff. Happens. Totally a globalist company. There's articles written about McKinsey and Company about how they have shaped the world since the 1900s. That's interesting. And. and Here's the way. Here's the way that uh, until you have until we have more of that information to to lay out. Here, here's a way to think about it. McKinsey, like you said, very well known, clearly global, one of the biggest companies in the world. There's no denying that. E- even if it were a great, pristine company, it was picking people out of Harvard Business School. He graduated. Richard Ossoff graduated from Harvard in 1975, the same year George W. Bush did. Another interesting fact. Um, but this company, Harvard undergrad, no Harvard MBA, right? Okay, yeah. So if this company were good, all if all these good things about this company were all that were there, then there's absolutely no reason that Ossoff, John Ossoff, wouldn't be talking about how he learned consulting, how he learned national relations from watching his father do it. Even though his father was flying in and out of, his father was flying three times a week going out of the country when he worked there. Talks about that in this article. But they wouldn't keep this a secret. They wouldn't hide it in the dark if it weren't something they didn't want people looking at. 
Mm, yeah, I mean, it, maybe they, maybe it's not that interesting to people, but I will say you did say something that is interesting to me is this idea that it shapes, you know, shapes the world. That's in that what way. I'm talking because, about. Yeah. Because this is, well, this is what I'm thinking. There's definitely uh, a trend that I absolutely hate. Uh, it's, it's this stakeholder versus shareholder thing at corporate, at corporate levels. When you take Target or some huge company and you put as its CEO, a basically, you know, world-class bureaucrat, like, like really a political actor and you take all, all the 401k money in the world, people are doing, and, and pension funds and everything. They're all putting all their money into uh, this company, your money, and that's the returns you want. So they take not only your tax money to socially engineer the world, they take all your savings and then all of a sudden want to promote like transgender bathrooms or whatever. So they take your money. And if you want to participate in the marketplace and get uh, you know, a share of the economy, some returns for your retirement, you have to embrace their, their social causes. It's a way to kind of, um, you know, just co-ops private money for these social engineering projects. It's yeah. why I don't like Trump's infrastructure plan. The federal government doesn't want to spend any money. It just wants to get the states to spend the money. It's like, okay, then they get to federalize the agenda of your tax dollar from your tiny little town to your state, to the feds, you know, doubles. It really increases their firepower. And that, so that if you think McKinsey you know, the, that you point out, they have that much of a power to shape the the trend I see in the shaping of the of the corporations is actually where the tax code and yeah. and these other trends come together. So they they make right. so that regulations, tax codes make it so that the little guy is no longer a player, and then these global companies can then shape society by by being champions of social causes, even unpopular ones that should drive their customers away, they don't care because there's no competition anymore. That's what Soros said he wanted to do. He wanted <clears throat> to put all his money into these so into these um, foundations so that he could control things and shape the world. Yes, foundations is another thing. I'm I'm just or, saying uh, specifically to that they that corporations are acting like the foundations now and right. and you and I would like to see if McKinsey you know if there is a a real connection there well <clears throat> the thing about his time at McKinsey and his time in the office of economic opportunity in 1971 <laughs> when he was 22 years old is when he first started there and actually it was i said in the last time last time we talked about this um Linda B. Linda B. Johnson started the Office of Economic Opportunity. It was his baby. But when Ossoff was there, it's ironic who was president at the time. It was Richard Nixon. So Ossoff's dad worked in Richard Nixon's government. <laughs> Which, hilariously. Yeah, but, you know, Nixon was, was like Trump, not a Republican. You know, I mean, he was a Republican. But right. he put in, you know, price fixing. He opened the door to China. I mean, he... he he furthered the UN's agenda by regionalizing the country. Uh, it, so, 
it, it, it makes perfect sense. You know, they're all on the same team, these people who want. Exactly. But the perception that people have, the, the people yeah, who yeah. love Ossoff and hate yeah. Trump is he's Nixon. I hate him. And it's all these things that claim to hate about Trump is, is, is represented in Ossoff's family by the person who Ossoff is taking orders from. And if anybody, if you, here's the thing Ossoff's dad donates money to Ossoff's campaign. Just like everybody else does, Ossoff's mom, her name is Heather Fenton. She donated $33,000 back in July to the DNC, which that's fine. <laughs> she supports their, their Democrats, whatever, support the right. DNC. She also supported her son. But I found the timing of it interesting because it's almost – my theory, and there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff there to back this up, is that Richard Ossoff, since he was in his 20s working for the uh, – you know, Office of Economic Opportunity, working for McKinsey. Uh, he established a whole bunch of other consulting-type firms and businesses. He's got so many corporations that he started that he did when he was in Georgia, including Strafford, which he at Strafford, he works with all of the contacts that he probably developed at McKinsey through the years because he's working with the richest people in the world. He's consultants with lobbyists. Oh, that's a good point, yep. <clears throat> And so th those are all the people he's working with. And all these people are tied to big government. They're tied to big business. They're tied to intelligence agencies. They're tied to Russia. They're tied to Turkey. They're tied to all the things people hate about Trump. <laughs> so my theory is that he's been building up this, this power, this political capital. And his wife also. His wife went to London School of Economics. His wife also has – I don't know as much about his wife yet, but she also has been the head of a number of, of consulting management-type firms – They've been building political capital for decades, and they saw an opportunity arising. Maybe they knew who Hillary Clinton was going was to name a position to where they, they could have tried to slip John into that mm -hmm. district. And they're ca they cashed in their political capital, part of it anyway, to get their son to put into this position right now. Yeah, that's, that's right. Because why him? Like if this is such an important, hotly contested district, they could flip. Why right. take this guy and you nailed it you nailed it like last week you were talking about how they're not just flipping the sixth they're showing that they can turn the south red they can turn the deep south blue. yeah or blue they, they can turn the blue. deep south blue in the midst of a trump nationalism presidency so they can put a pinprick in the heart of nationalism and symbolically spread globalism all over yes, the country. like a virus. Yeah, I know. That's what I think the whole Trump presidency is about, is about sparking the backlash. And I guarantee you that that is exactly the interest that Richard Ossoff furthers. He has no interest in the 6th District. His friends, the people he works with, the people he associates with, are the richest people in the world. They are globalists. They don't live in Atlanta. They don't live in the 6th District. They work in Washington, D.C. and London and all over the country, and they fly around on jets, and they, they go on trips. They, they go on these weird yachting trips. I feel like they're swingers. They're out there swapping wives or something. But, <laughs> but Richard Off and his wife and John, when he was younger, would go with them. They go on these yachting trips. <laughs> all over the world, they spend the summers yachting. You should on the be world. jealous of other people's money. I'm, I'm not jealous <laughs> of it. I, I point that out because when John Ossoff does a a, a commercial about climate <laughs> change, your money, and he ends and he ends the commercial by saying, "Well, why am I going to do this for climate change or whatever?" And then he says, "Because science." His argument oh, is yeah, because science. That, yeah. So, do you change? think the yacht is made the is named the tax dodger? 
Yeah, it should like, be named the tax. Isn't side. the yacht like paid for with tax savings? No, I, I yeah. Well, that that's what like money generates. So you you they save you all this money on taxes and you give them a cut, yeah, right? Here, here's the thing with that. I haven't found specific specific uh, evidence of where he paid for the paid for the yacht. No, no, I'm not. Um, talking about he probably saying. did. Theoretically, but, they got rich. Every dollar they have is just a cut they took of somebody's tax savings. Now, I have to say, as a libertarian. Taxation is theft. So I don't care. Yeah. I, I, if nobody, if, I actually wonder, I have more of a problem, like morally paying taxes than I would not paying taxes because they take the money and they kill people in other countries who yeah, are not trying to yeah, kill me. So totally. I'm not a fan of paying uh, taxes. Yeah, I totally but, agree. But they that. use, they're all colluding, in my opinion, on using the tax code to uh, exact privilege to keep the middle guy and the little guy down. But I want to say something about the flipping, flipping stuff as a backlash to Trump. I, I still think there's a 1% chance that Hillary was in the tank for Trump, whether she knew it or not, but she, you know, Bill knew it, you know what I mean? Like she was there for that reason from the beginning. It wasn't like a toss up there. I think there's a chance of that. And, and to see, I think the proof would be if, uh, if like Obama just got a $65 million book deal, <laughs> I try to do the math, like how many copies of the book would you have to sell to get a $65 million advance? And I just, my daughter had just been asking me like how, how politicians get rich and, and how can you corrupt a politician? Like she like didn't understand how it works. And I said, well, if they give you a million dollars to make a speech, they're not really paying you to make the speech. You know, they're paying you back for what you did for them before, or they're giving you an advance on what you're going to do. I said, like, like books, maybe they'll buy a million of your books and dump them in the middle of the ocean. You know, like that gets you the money and uh, whatever. And then like the next day, the Obama thing. So I just like, if, if Hillary gets a $65 million book deal from somewhere, I'm going to think that this whole thing, or Bill, more likely that he just sold under the down the river, that this whole thing was a setup. Like the Trump phenomenon was a, a was a backlash, you know, intended backlash. That they, that because for years now they've been trying to flip the South for yeah. years, long before Trump. Like this has been, I've noticed it from that Dylan Roof crazy. Uh, yeah, I remember that Confederate flag thing. Like, you know, I've always from the beginning, it's like, all right, they're absolutely tried the Lafayette movie theater. That guy had a Confederate flag. Like they're just, they're really trying to shame the South out of states' rights, free markets, small government, like, you know, this stuff that is not <laughs> racist. But they're just, you know, they've been doing it for so long. And I feel like if the Trump presidency results in flipping the South, I'm going to think that was part of the plan. Right. And and that is that's why people need to learn about Assad's family. Like that that's why, you know, why about his yacht? Because they're like, I agree with you. I don't I don't care if he's got a yacht. If he's going to ride around. He's I, I I don't care. But I don't care what his views are on. Uh, I don't care if he. If he hates climate change, I don't care. But when he, when people are voting for Ossoff because they think he represents something, and when you look into his family and, and their activities and their and the interest of his father, who is who can who controls what he's doing, 
conflicts with the interests of people in the 6th District and the promises Ossoff makes. Ossoff is not going to choose the people of the 6th District. He's going to choose. He's going to be forced to choose what his father tells him to do. And when his yacht is dumping gallons of, of gasoline <laughs> into the ocean and the propellers on yeah. his yacht is just shredding every animal that, that it tears through as it goes through the ocean. And then Ossoff is saying, because science, climate change, people need to know they're being lied to. Well, and, and I... Yeah. And when his airplane, his private airplane, his private... He has a private plane? His absolutely. Pri- that's much more expensive than a yacht. Yeah, he has a private airplane, and he's a... He's his a, own? Yeah. Wow. His own private airplane. It took me a while to confirm that, but I was able to confirm that last That's week. where there's... That's when you know... So I, asked, I asked my husband, it's like, hey, you know, I think that guy, like, somebody knew, I was like, I think he got super duper duper rich. And, uh, and he said, no. And I was like, how do you know? He said, because he would have 15 cars and a private jet. I know that guy. And if he was super rich, he would have all that stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I don't think that way, personally. I don't want that stuff. That's like a headache to me. So you would never know if I got super rich because I would not have 15 cars and a private jet. But having a private, you you have to be pretty rich to have a private jet. And And here's the thing. For me, I don't in the slightest bit, like for that guy I was talking about, uh, resent value added entrepreneurship. I love it. I think it's awesome. It makes the world go around, have at it. You want to work like crazy, spread value, accumulate wealth. That's awesome. That's fantastic. But I want to understand, like for these guys, I'm not getting any sense of a value added endeavor. Now, McKinsey, I mean, to the extent you save, you make a company much more efficient and you get millions of dollars of fees, that's real value added. And I guess if the tax code were innocently confusing and you helped people optimize it, that wouldn't be so bad. It's just that it really smacks of back office dealing. I don't, that's a lot of money to end up with for no, you know, apparent, you know, no, no product. If you go through the the list, and I'll tell you a little bit more about the information about some of them in a second, but if you just click down and start going through all the people on the advisory board of, of Stratford Publications, StraffordPub.com, that's Richard Ossoff, John Ossoff's father's business. If you start going through that, and, and there's so many of them, it's such a long list, it, it reeks of backdoor deals, of dark money, uh, of totally screwing over everybody who Ossoff says that he represents. It reeks of that. Like I was telling you earlier, the guy who created the most exploited tax exemption who worked for George W. Bush when he created it, it is teaching people is one of the facilitators and on the advisory board of Ossoff. This is the guy who's the best, the <laughs> exploiting the tax hey, code. You were telling me something about Russia. What what was your thing about? What was it about okay. Russia? All right. So, the, the so first of all, every let, Russia's let me, bad. Uh, right. let, me pre- <laughs> let me present the yeah. Let me present the check. We, we hate Russia. Everybody hates Russia. Right. So to to summarize the ta- the tax point, John Ossoff has claimed, "I am going to simplify the tax code so that we can get dark money, uh, you know, away from whatever." Oh, okay. Oh, I'm and a, sorry. Oh, go ahead. During the debate. When he said, when they were like, hey, a lot of money has come into this campaign, neither Handel nor the moderator said, like, it was all for you. To Ossoff, it's like, what do you think about that? And Ossoff said, oh, it's a major problem. This is terrible. It's not right. We need campaign finance reform. I'm like, what? Are you, could you seriously? And that's when you know the guy is a liar in training. Right. Because he said that as 
awkwardly or unawkwardly as everything else. And it's a preposterous, hypocritical, ridiculous lie. So how, you know what I mean? Like it's. And let me tell you about what happened when I tweeted when in response to, to what he said. I tweeted in response to that. I tweeted fact John Ossoff's mother co-founded and is listed on the website Power Pack. The Super Pack. She's president of a Super Pack. Is listed on the Super PAC's website, and he's up there saying, "I'm going to get all the dark money out of politics. I'm going to stop the money." This, I mean, he's talking about Super PACs, and his mom literally started one. Somebody responded to me by calling me fake news and told me to stop bending over for the Republicans. I said, "This is a verifiable <laughs> fact." Bending over for the Republicans? Yeah, I said, "I'm, I'm telling you, you're being lied to, and you're telling me that I'm bending over, and that what I just said is made up when you can go verify it in five seconds." Let me ask you a question, Binkley. Yeah. Have you ever encouraged anyone to vote for Karen Handel? No, not once. I I made fun of her. Earlier, I said that she she reminded me of uh, uh, a whiny, bruised apple earlier. I'm not, you know, promoting (laughs) Karen Handel. No, I have not at all told anybody to support Karen Handel. I've simply said if you, Do you tell anyone to vote at all. No, I tell well, – <laughs> my, my theory is if, if we all didn't vote, then they couldn't force us into choosing uh, a kick in the face or a punch yes. in the balls. Right. <laughs> I agree. I, I actually – I pay my taxes and I vote, and I have – they're the greatest moral dilemmas of my, of my life. The biggest propaganda that we have going right now, some of it is that whole, that whole, yeah, that whole, that whole theme that the media propagates that, that people, I've heard people that I know say it too, repeat it when they say, oh, well, if you don't vote, you don't have a right to say anything. Oh, what? Wait a minute. If I don't choose a Well, you know what George face, Carlin says. What do you say? I didn't vote. You can't blame me. Exactly. <laughs> but they have to have people vote. You know this as well as I do. But there's another thing like participation, though. But the idea of this, though, is if you buy in, if you don't choose between two terrible choices, then you 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 give up your right, you give up your freedom. I mean, that's the whole. That's what that's saying. That's insane. My mother, there was a good, um, you know, there's this analogy like if if the Nazis, always Nazis, if the Nazis have like ten kids lined up and they give you a gun and they say you shoot one of those kids or we're going to shoot all ten of them, uh. What do you do? And my mother, she's so simple and beautiful. She said, you know, she's like, she said, you can't, you can't do it. And uh, she said, if they want to kill those kids, that's on them. It's not on you. You can't do it. So when they, I'm 100% sure where I was going with this analogy, but they're forcing it. You know, you pick one of these jerks, you know, they're, they, by getting you psychologically to feel that you, that you're the one who has to make the choice. And then the choice is between two evils yeah. You know, they need you to do that because they need to co-opt you. They need to own you. But I was telling my kids, like, they're at this age. My, my son's really curious. He's 11. And he really, like, wants to know how things work. And I'm having to explain stuff to them in simple ways. And I said, you know, democracy is terrible because, you know, they have 50% taxes in a democracy. Monarchies have, have been beheaded. Monarchs have been beheaded for, like, 5% taxes. They, when they see these guys at the top in ex- living in excess, they we all get together and take them out. But when it's when those guys are up there, we can't see them. But all we can see is that the other half of the people on our own street are responsible. 
you can either, everybody can just fight each other, which is what they're trying to get us to do now, or you just accept it because it's too many or it's them or it's fair or whatever. But that's, that's the thing. It's that the buy-in, the co-opting that keeps us from taking them out. I'm not encouraging people. I don't, you know, violence is not the answer. And I'm only saying that because I want to kick the can, you know, like we're, tyranny has probably always been with us and always will be with us. Living through a revolution is probably pretty unpleasant. Yeah, especially, and I guess I don't really know what one would look like in this day of age, this digital. I know, but as a girl, digital. I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> so, you, don't, you don't want to go be in a foxhole? I do not. I don't want to be in a foxhole. I am not going to be able to rebuild an engine. I, I Sometimes I wonder if that's why they want driverless electric cars, because we could really not, we would have no mobility as a as a resistance force right we, we yeah no, i'm not kidding like my husband That's i told him buy dumb point. cars and he is buying dumb cars but i thought it's like i buy dumb lamps and i have like a thousand light bulbs because i really hate fluorescence so i've been hoarding them it's probably if there were ever a sign of like extreme behavior on my part that would be it <laughs> you have I a realize, thousand light bulbs i have i think i have like a thousand light i have like a hundred of every wattage wow I just bought them all. They were they were so cheap because they were getting like discontinued, and then I realized, oh my gosh, they're going to stop making lamps that can tolerate an Edison light bulb. So you hoard light bulbs. I, hoard, I use them. I use them. I use them. All right, you said something that made that remind me of something I read last night that I wanted to bring up. Here's a headline. I was looking at because I was I was thinking about how a lot of these these wealthy people they incorporate their business in in the United Kingdom. And Ossoff's company is in the United Kingdom. So he, to be clear, Ossoff talks about, you know, stimulating the economy. Ossoff is a foreign business owner. He owns 50% of a foreign (laughs) business. He bought that company with his inheritance. He had the opportunity (laughs) to buy a company in Atlanta and he chose not to. He chose to buy a company in the United Kingdom. So what, what makes his supporters believe he's going to act in their best interest now if he did not before? But on top of that, his dad, Richard Ossoff, established a nonprofit called the world investigates and he attached it to Ossoff's company, which is insight. And that, that company, his dad is the public agent of the world investigates. So it has an Atlanta address. And as the public agent of that, that company, the world investigates, Richard Ossoff can legally do what he wants in the name of that company of John's company. So he can act under the umbrella of John's company and it can look like his son is doing it. That's the type of control his father has in his, in his business workings. But what I was saying was I was wondering why some of these companies go to the UK and I don't know much about the the tax code over there, but I looked, I looked it up and I found all these articles about how you, about how Britain has already turned into a tax haven. And then one that I thought was interesting, uh, Theresa May stands ready to turn Britain into a tax haven after Brexit. So using Brexit as a reason to, to further turn Britain into a tax haven for big corporations and big business. Where they can mm. hide and exploit and exploit the uh, tax loopholes, whatever. I'm still not positive Brexit's going to happen. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm, I'm not positive, it's either. but its message it has served a major purpose. It has brought yeah, yeah, yeah. nationalism versus globalism. Yes. I want to say something though about the Ossoff and the jobs. One of the things during the debate, I believe it was during the debate, and I, just one of his ads was, "I want to bring jobs and other stuff, you know, to Atlanta or to the six districts, whatever." Am I, is this a function of my life stage that, like, I'm older than you, uh, that 
that does not make me happy. Like the idea of 15,000 millennials jamming into my town, like bums me out. You know what I mean? Like I like culture. I like, I like, I know I'm a foreigner in Atlanta. I I recognize that. And it's gotten so bad that when I hear people with heavy New York accents, like think Brennan, John Brennan, the former CIA director, has a heavy New York accent. I'm listening to like, yeah, that guy sounds like a mobster. <laughs> I sound like a mobster, but I like, you know, I'm not, I, I like, I like community. I like when people get to know each other, trust each other. I like that. So I, I'm beginning to be suspicious when people suggest they want to bring all sorts of money and jobs and roads and rail and infrastructure and everything into every town I'm thinking, do you really, if, if there's high unemployment in your town, okay, but I think unemployment's like at an all-time low. I'm not saying that everybody has jobs. I hate the measure of unemployment because it doesn't, you know, the labor participation rate is so, so low. I think there's a structural problem there, but uh, unless people are really starving, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of moving jobs around. Are you? Is that a new thought? I, I, probably I, not so, you're younger than I am, so maybe you do. do, you, do you, you I, I don't really think about it in the way of uh, it doesn't bother me if a bunch of people are coming in to get jobs. I, that doesn't bother me. It might make it more lively. I, I don't. When I hear a politician say that, I always roll my eyes because it's such bullshit. You know, people can make like, it, people can make a job. You know, like you said, if you yes, know how to yes. do something, you can help somebody and yeah, you can make a it. trade. You know, so the idea that they have to they have to create jobs and bring tech jobs Lord to Atlanta, I, I want to, I want to. It makes me want to put my head through a wall when I see that commercial because it is so. I mean, unbelievably full of shit. It's just disgusting, well, and the, people are eating it up. The job creation thing is also like just drives me crazy. Trump made a speech today about infrastructure, about projects, about shovel ready, about all this stuff. And it was, I mean, it should, it was a Democrat speech. It was just a speech about how the government is responsible for making jobs and spending money. And without the government building infrastructure, that's what made this country great, which is complete bullshit. Because in the 19th century, when you had the biggest growth ever, you had a, uh, I think before the Civil War, there were 400 private road companies. The government did not build roads. You know who would build roads? Real estate developers would build roads. And retail uh, outlets would build roads. It was guys like Trump would have to build the roads for you to get from his office buildings to his apartment buildings. And roads are a giant subsidy to those kind of businesses, to all kinds, to international trade. To, it, it takes, it's, roads are a subsidy from for Iowa farmers to bring produce into Georgia. I'm not saying I don't, I, I'm happy to say I'm a, I object to roads, but <laughs> to public roads, but I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying it's, it's not a founding American principle that first the government builds the country and then the people work in it. It's that the people work and build stuff and it gets built as it's needed and that created a great deal of wealth and equality back then. So I hated that speech. I don't want more. I don't it want the government. It assumes that we need them. Yes. It's not like man came down from the trees because some governor Gover- somewhere yeah, built yeah. a road. <laughs> you know, yeah, what yeah. happened was man came down to the, from the trees, 
built a road, made things easier, and then some lazy bum was like, hey, I'm going to be the governor. He, that guy has extra stuff. I'm going to go make him give me his extra stuff, and I'll tell him that nobody will steal it if he just gives it to me. And if he doesn't give it to me, I'll steal it. <laughs> you know, that's how the mob works in New York. They say, if you don't, you know, people are going to break your windows if you don't give us 10 bucks a month. And they're, the guy's like, no, nobody's going to break my windows. They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so then at that night, right. somebody breaks your window and you're like, oh, I guess I need somebody to keep me from getting my windows broken. I mean, that's exactly what the government and the taxes and everything are. It's just a mob. D- doesn't the Bible, didn't didn't the day before God created man, was it like on the, what, the third or fourth day, God created government and then after that? <laughs> Yes, that is exactly what happened. He built a Capitol building. The sun, the moon, then right. government. And then the serpent slithered out of it. <laughs> From the ribs of government came man and woman. <laughs> came the snake. So, well, that wasn't a diversion. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to digress. Um, I, have, I, have, I still have a handful of points. I, I oh, yeah, go for about it. Awesome. No, I, I have uh, all the time in the world. Um. Okay, I just want to quickly go through. I'm not going to go into too much details. I just want to show the people that he works with, the, the people whose interests he furthers, and illustrate how far removed from like caring about the 6th District is with a very, very good example of him screwing people over in his neighborhood, Richard Ossoff. Starting with Stratford Pub, that's his company again. Just here, here, are, here are a few examples of the types of companies that are on the advisory board of Stratford publications. Now, keep in mind, I'm not going to give the specifics of the financial financials, but most of these companies generate between one and $2 billion worth of revenue per year. Most of them are in the top 10, top 50 classifications of, of, of lobbying firms or of tax consulting firms, as I mentioned earlier, in the world. And all of them are global firms, most of them located in Washington, D.C. Lobbying more, firms. Yes, they're, lobby, they're, they're law firms and they're lobbying firms. Oh, he's got tons of lobbying firms on his advisory board. That, that's what I'm talking about with the consultants and lobby and lobbyists kind of crossing, crossing over. And what's an advisory board? Like, I understand what a board is. Now, here's what they do. Because well, they own the company and they tell you what to do. This is what his advisory board does. Uh, they um, And, and I, I started looking up some of the people associated with it to see if they were more than just a name that was on his website. And they are. They have an active role. I mean, he's been working with these guys for a long time. I mean, like I said, he goes and trades wives with them uh, around uh, <laughs> the Pacific Ocean. I always wondered about that. Like, the super rich guys who are still with their original wives, like, isn't, you know, isn't part of the whole ego and money and power thing having the Epstein gig or is that like, you know, whatever? You know, I don't know what the laws are in international waters. <laughs> Maybe that's I just wonder what the, what the wives, if the wives, you know, if these guys have a higher tendency of being unfaithful. I'm not talking about that man in particular. I would not. Would you? <laughs> Uh, well, I found some pictures of him that, that might make you, oh, make you ask a few questions about that. I'm I not saying actually, that either. I'm not, you know. I was I, just wondering if it, there's a higher likelihood. And I think oh, I'm sure there are probably a lot of them that are in open relationships, wearing probably wear uh, you know goats heads and go into swingers clubs. <laughs> Eyes wide shut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Okay, the advisory board at his firm, what they do is they create very specific types of, of webinars, and these webinars are, are designed to 
help companies help people who take the webinars and the people what, what Asaf does what I can gather is he gets people in by getting usually like a representative of some sort of business or something to take one of these these webinars it helps them kind of exploit a loophole in some portion of the tax code based on whether maybe they want to uh, combine their company um, with an international company maybe it, it, they just go through these specific parts of the tax code and they help them uh, you know maximize them so and then they then they hook them they get them to purchase a year long subscription to these webinars which they get it like i think it was like 1200 bucks a pop for each each person like in your company it's a ton of he hooks them it's like drugs he hooks them with the first one here's how we're going to save your corporation a bunch of money you're going to pay the least amount of taxes possible and they they love it and obviously they can't do it themselves after just one class so they pay for the year long subscription which is really 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 expensive so and the advisory board helps create those tax things because they all have they all specialize in these different industries um, and have these different, really unique global perspectives because they've all dealt with different types of um, organizations around the world. And they create these webinars and then they come in and they facilitate the webinars so that they, they teach these other corporations who come to Asos companies how to do it. So so they are actively creating and teaching webinars with Asos companies. So they're profiting off of the public and off of these, ma and they're helping major corporations, you know, pay the least amount of taxes possible. So they're not just a, a name on an advisory, but they're actively participating in this company. One of the one of the firms, <laughs> I, this guy, and I'm going. I'm not going to open my document that has all the names in it right now because it might slow down our connection and make it short out. So what I will do because I have typed it all out it is. I will put all of these names and links in the show notes for anybody who wants to go look at it. Um, so I'm just going to be kind of general in the way I, I go through these. But one of the guys who works uh, on on Asos Advisory Board, who teaches a, a webinar, who helps create a webinar, he works for a law firm, one of the top global law firms in the world. And he personally represented Turkey in a lawsuit, I can't remember what the lawsuit w was for, but in multiple different lawsuits, this guy has been Turkey's lawyer. Well, you got to tell me what it's about because the Turkey stuff can be really interesting. Well, right. The Turkey stuff can be interesting, but the, the, the only reason I'm bringing up the, the Turkey stuff uh, uh, now is because everybody – threw their arms up and screamed treason when they found <laughs> out that General Flynn got paid by <laughs> Turkey. And, and and this guy's openly representing Turkey and is on Ossoff's advisory board. So there's one. We can go into the details of that maybe. Uh, at, yeah, we still got about, what, 15 more days that we can talk about this Ossoff stuff? And we'll see <laughs> 13. So, yeah. 13 days. Probably 12 by the time this is up. So there's one thing that Ossoff supporters hate about Trump that, that his dad embodies. The next thing we talked about, you mentioned earlier. Well, we talk, can I just say the hey, whole – Russia, Trump, Flynn, all that stuff is it's like when people like the Ossoff not living in the in the district. I that's a real issue. Yeah. It's not a real issue. It's a real criticism that I respect. Yeah. But the whole Russia is like email gate with Hillary. It's these things that are all form over content. Right. That are are latched onto by this partisan thing that get people to like hate and look and point. The yeah, reason yeah. there can be contradictions like Richard Ossoff 
has the exact, even if they, his guys have the exact same connections as Trump and his guys, the reason you can have contradictions like that is there's no, nothing inherently wrong with it. Like there's no, there's no actual problem there. Exactly. So you can criticize yeah. the other side for it. Right. And then when it's on your side, you don't care because it's a nothing burger. Who cares? I completely agree. Totally agree. I don't care that he has these connections. I, I just. No, I know you don't care. I, I just, it just, <laughs> it drives me crazy when, when people, they just. They can't see what see. I just said. They cannot see what I just said. And when I say it, you will tell somebody, you'll have this conversation and you'll say, maybe it's a Democrat. You'll have this whole conversation how the Republicans are shit. They all do this stuff. Like, they're dirty dealing, cronyistic liars. And then they'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you'll say, and the Democrats are the same. <laughs> and they're like, no. And they'll go, you motherfucker. Yeah, no. Yeah, stop bringing no. over I, to the right. You can give them all the exact same examples on the other side of the aisle. No, you know, they explained that. That didn't really happen. And it's like, No. Turn yeah, around and look right. over your shoulder. It's the exact same thing. And that's what that's when I start to just you know, you just throw up your hands. Right. And and most people most people, I say, still believe that two party baloney. Oh yeah, absolutely. Buy into it. I, I love telling people when they bring up what's his name? Uh Manafort, who totally he who has totally worked for pro Russian interest and he has also worked for pro McCain interest. And he is all and people have worked and people who worked with him who also worked for pro Russian interest worked on Bernie Sanders campaign manager worked for the same pro Russian interest as Paul Manafort. Like you tell people that stuff and they just kind of short circuit. And wasn't wasn't I mean, isn't New York, isn't there like a huge Russian mob in New York now? Like, don't they just pervade kind of everything? Is it kind of impossible yeah, not to do it? A lot of rich Russians out there. Yeah, there's rich Russians everywhere, and these people aren't pro-Russian. They're pro-money is what they yeah. are. They go yeah, overseas and they do. Exactly. There's no, there's no, what is, what is it the Russians, you know what I mean? What's the end game? It's, Who cares? It's, <laughs> it's just so maddening. They're not right. trying to drag us into wars. They're fighting wars we're dragging them into. Right. Tell somebody that Podesta – oh, really? Did you know that, that the Podesta brothers, you know, Hillary's campaign manager was John Podesta? Did you know the Podesta brothers represent – the firm, the lobbying firm represents Russia's largest state-owned bank, and they've been getting paid millions even through the election process to try and get the Obama-era sanctions removed from the largest – did you wow. know that – and people yeah, just kind of like – You've said that to me before, but like I, I just did not realize like that's actually – Significant, <laughs> you know? not to, not the people it, who right? support Hillary. It's not they. They just kind of shrug their shoulders. Yeah. Didn't he not file that just the way Flynn didn't file it? Right. The day, the same day that there was all these articles about Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort has to file as a foreign agent. Every single headline on the same day. So did Podesta. So did the Podesta group. But, you know, people don't. Yeah, and I don't care about Podesta doing that. I don't either. Who cares? I, I, the Obama sanctions were absolutely so stupid. I knew that they were teeing up some kind of psyop. I still think this entire thing is a psyop. But uh, regardless, it's it's just uh, nobody's going to go to jail because right. nothing yeah, yeah. really happened. I, I should right. say I, I don't I don't care. But what I mean is. They all do it. It's just – it's not uh, something that's unique. It's just another illustration of how – And here's the problem. It's about big money and all these people yes. who are – Yeah. Here's the problem. I don't still steal or kill. I don't steal or kill. I try to make sure that nothing I do 
foster stealing or killing. I that's why I worry about paying taxes and voting. Okay, that's it's that's good. Closest, it's the closest thing to stealing and killing that I do. So, yeah. so when you look at what people are doing, that's wrong. You know, crimes or whatever. You have to think about stealing or killing. So where, what are they saying? Why these crimes, supposedly these people are committing, are impossible for us to decipher, to determine if it's right or wrong. And it's impossible for the actors themselves, when they're engaging in these relationships, to know if they're right or wrong, is that all these underlying relationships base themselves on stealing the taxpayers' money and using it in a certain way, taking the cover of military operations and killing people or the criminal justice system and, and taking people out of, out of society for political reasons. The, the thing is that the underlying system is so corrupt, so rife with stealing and killing yeah. that you can look at somebody's actions and say, oh, well, ultimately that's taxpayers' money or ultimately that created an unjust you know, use of force. But the, the reality is that, that, they, that the entire gigantic system, 50% of our economy or the world or whatever, is engaged in these political, bureaucratic, institutional transactions that, that separate regular people from the fruits of their labor, from the power, that, the self-defense power that they delegate so the governments, I mean, do you understand the kind of like philosophical nuance I'm going for here? It's impossible uh, yeah. for these guys to be held responsible. They shouldn't be involved in it at all because it's all fundamentally immoral. But you can't say, well, I didn't know. You know, it's easy to say, I didn't know that was wrong or I didn't know you people would react to it because I was just doing what I do, which is grease palms and make right. arguments. And you know what I mean? But it's all it's all wrong. And. and- that and what they also do, which is a perfect illustration of John Ossoff's campaign and the support he's getting, is they deliver talking points that speak to these that that trigger these emotions, trigger that make you feel good, make you feel like this is somebody who's who understands you, who identifies with you, and who's gonna help you get what you need. Who's gonna serve your interest, and then they make you ask. For the punishment that they essentially give you by delivering these propaganda talking points. So they make people beg for John Ossoff when John Ossoff's father is just going to screw him. Yes. Uh, say that again. They, they, they use for, the propaganda. They use, I get the Ossoff thing, but they the, use these talking points to make you beg for, for the government control to make you beg for the taxes, to make you beg for the thing that you would never ask oh, for. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, that's what they're, yeah. That's a whole nother thing, though. Like, that, I think, is, we were talking a lot about that last year. Um, I can't remember why it was so, well, it's, oh, I know what it was. It was the federalizing the police. So oh, they've yeah, got definitely. this Black Lives Matters thing, and they're telling you to beg for the, national the federal government to take over policing your local police is the only thing that's going to stop the federal government from systematically assassinating anybody in your town who's actually fighting to restore the constitution you know what i mean the, the right. big, federal government comes in and wants to clean up like 
you know, international pedophile scandals and stuff, you know, like these deep state actors come into towns and try to quiet things down, corrupt the criminal justice system. And occasionally you'll see some standalone sheriff who who actually brings someone to justice because he's not going to let murder happen in his town. This is going to, you know, and that's really that that helps the little guy. They're going to, you know, so anyway, that I, I, that's was the prime example last year. Yeah. And there's an example for the like, thing and with terrorism a, and surveillance and right. censorship there. Theresa May wants to totally button up the internet. Wants the government to completely censor the internet and these terrorist attacks by coincidence are getting her to make it look like people are insisting upon it. Right. And they're doing that right now. Also, they're doing that in every aspect of it. an example for Ossoff is they, they've created the idea that we have a president who won't show his taxes, who has made a lot of his money by exploiting the tax code, by paying the least amount of money and making the most amount of money because he can afford to have someone help him exploit the tax code. And the little guy can't. So because of this, we need someone who will stand up to Trump and who will simplify the tax code, who will eliminate these tax loopholes that this Russian you know, operative who's in office is taken advantage of when in reality, so they're, they're making people beg for someone like that. Ostoff comes in, says he's going to do that. When in reality is that Trump, if he were to take a class, if he were to need to get better at exploiting the tax code, he would go to John Ossoff's dad and take one of his webinars. So that's how they're getting them to beg for this solution. But the person who's offering them the solution is going to do the opposite. Exact opposite. And he's going to be in a position to do the exact opposite because he will be a congressman in D.C. who votes on the tax code. And the Trump tax reform thing looks pretty cronyistic, big guy friendly to me that they're not taking out that crazy hedge fund thing where guys who invest in hedge funds get the money out as capital gains, even though the original investment was a form of income. I mean, there is no way, I think, around uh, seeing that as a as an actually, like, illogical, inconsistency, unfair elements of the tax code. And that that's the one thing that you know, they should take out, and Trump's not going to do it. So, so whatever – I mean, Ossoff might vote for Trump's tax thing <laughs> because – They've probably gone on yachting trips together for all we know. They're about the same age. Just like – okay, another another example of, of having them uh, – of asking for it is this whole idea like we talked about, and I relate this back to his advisory board of Russia again. Of We, we have this – this Russia has taken over Russian nationalism. We need someone who is going to stand up to that corruption when he sees it. And Ossoff tells you in one of his ads, he says – I went to Washington and I see corruption. I guess he just looks at corruption when he goes to Washington is what it sounds like from that ad. But they, it makes people beg for someone who is willing to put an end to this Russian involvement in our government when the reality is that it's just as tied to people who work with Russians and help Russian interests as Donald Trump is with that law firm we talked about, which what did I say earlier that the law firm that helped Trump did we, did we talk about the taxes yet? Like we the, talked about Megyn Kelly and that law firm. Oh no! Okay, let me. This is another example. We have the guy who right, represents. I have like fifteen seconds. Okay. Um, I know I said I had all the time in the world, but I didn't mean all the time in the world. <laughs> okay, let me, let me let me race through these. No, I've got, I've got a few minutes. Okay. Okay, we have the guy who represented Turkey on his advisory board. We also have the law firm who. Who, who 
we have Donald Trump's lawyer. Donald Trump's tax attorney is on Richard Ossoff's company's advisory board. The tax attorney who looked at Trump's taxes and said, everything's okay. There's no you know, nefarious Russian payments here. And everybody went crazy and said they were helping. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. That, that company, it helps. That, they were voted. They won because they're a global tax firm. They won the award for uh, top Russian law firm <laughs> of 2016. Yeah. That's a fact. They are on John Ossoff's or, or Richard Ossoff's uh, company's advisory board. Um, then the next one we have, I want to go to is, is he talks about climate change. Well, climate that would change. have been such a great question, but he, see, that's the beauty of the John Ossoff thing. He actually does not have to answer any questions for, Nothing. Have to answer for his father. Because you could say to yeah. his father, like, did you think that the assessment of, you know, do you trust the assessment of this attorney on Trump's blah, blah? And right. he could say yes, which would make it look weird. And he could say no, which would be bad for the guy. You know, you know, right, right, I think yeah. that. No, you, I know the reason, yeah, yeah. you know the reason Trump. I believe the reason Trump does not release his tax returns, correct? No, why? I think why? Yeah, now I've told you because he's his tax returns will show that he is Chris Kim Kardashian, not Mark Cuban. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's and people just feel like, oh, you're an actor. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Right. So. Okay, the climate change contradiction is this: there is the the there's a law firm, one of the top like 50 in the world who here, here is a couple of their clients. They represented Walmart against the people who were trying to get equal pay. They represented Walmart, not the people trying to get equal pay. Wow. Now I'm, I'm fine with Walmart, but Walmart's like the evil empire. Exactly. And, and that's what Ossoff supporters, they hate Walmart. <laughs> they hate they Walmart. Do. They because represented poor people for yeah. a little bit of money and then buy everything they need there for a little bit of money. And that's basically, just a system they can't tolerate. Basically. He's for minimum wage with 15 bucks. Exactly. And that's, that's my point here because basically every social corporate outrage that has gone to like trial over, over like you recognize all of them. This company, this law firm always represented the evil in <laughs> every single one of them, especially client climate change. Uh, they represented the automakers against, um, so I don't, it was something re- referenced with client change. I'll, the, I'll link all of it in the show. Do notes. you have a list of the clients? Of yes, I do. I, do. I have all of these. I have all of these in my, it's like 50, like, like not 50, but like 20 <laughs> pages of notes, but like, Every single right. evil thing. For the, for that's another ten one. seconds. Okay, ten seconds. Um, <laughs> okay. No, it's not a hard break, but I'll stop. Right. I'm going to skip to the final. I'm going to skip to the final one because I think it's important to ask this question. If if face because here's the thing. If John Ossoff's dad, his interests are different than the interests of the people of the sixth dis- district. If there's an issue that arises, and John Ossoff has to choose which side. Obviously, he's going to go with his dad. If anybody doesn't think that, if anybody thinks he's going to change the tax code and screw, why his dad. would he? Why would he go with the sixth district? Right, but I he want to give an there, illustration. What does he care? It's going to be father like son. You know, he went to the same school as his mom. He whatever. Here's what John John Ossoff's dad, Richard Ossoff. He used to be on the. Uh, he was like the head of the the board of the Peachtree DeKalb Airport back in 2005 and this has been totally whitewashed outside of a newsletter from the community 
that, that wrote specifically complaining about him. So what he was trying to do is they, since 1992, he's been trying to get more, uh, more spending to build a bigger airport at the cab to allow more airplanes to come in. The community didn't want that because it would make the noise loud. It yeah, would totally, that's what I'm talking about. You don't want to bring stuff right. in. Exactly. But he is an aviation guy. He's a pilot. He has been since he was young and it's ah. like his obsession. And yeah. he, he, he wanted, he'd been trying to make that happen or that advisory board has since 1992 and they couldn't do it. Fast forward to 2005, they came to an agreement with the community. The agreement with the community was that the community, there, there's a clause where the community gets to have a say, they get to write provisions, they get to argue and discuss the issues that they end up implementing um, or the changes they end up implementing or the add-ons. They couldn't do certain things. And this was the this was the agreement that allowed him to get funding to expand or to make some of these changes. It was the he said, "All right, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to do what you say, people, voters, citizens of, of the sixth district, and you're going to give me money for it. So I'm going to agree to these terms." Right. About a month later, after the agreements of these terms, the community is outraged because Ossoff implemented provision. Ossoff himself implemented provisions that did not allow the community to come in and have any discussion about the changes that were being made and did not serve any of the nine conditions that they, they said, these nine conditions are what we need. And they spent uh, six months on a consultant and $80,000 coming up. So he wasted their money. He wasted wow. their time and he rejected all of their stuff and did not let them talk about it. Now, I was trying to find out how this all concluded, but they were outraged, but it's all been whitewashed from the internet outside of a couple of documents. But it shows that Ossoff, his father, would do whatever he needed to do to get well, what he needed. it was Ossoff's father. It was Ossoff's father, yes. I'm just illustrating the But we're working on the assumption that this, it, he is a... You know, maybe, maybe, he'll, maybe he will get into office and expose his father's corruption. I have no idea. <laughs> That is funny. <laughs> Not likely. All right. Thanks for listening to me, Ram. That was Rambo. so interesting. <laughs> I mean, you get so fired up about this stuff. I do. I, I really was, get fired up about you it. You really, you know. I hate I really, the contradiction. I hate it. I do think you're a Republican, though. Oh, Let's wait oh, till you, you get, get riled up about, about a Republican. Dude, don't get riled up about a Republican. You will get hate I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I get hate mail. It is easier for me to get riled up about a liberal than it is a Republican. No, but me I, too, because the fundamental idea, the lies that the Republicans tell me, you know, I'd rather hear the Republican lies than the Democrat truths. I, I should, yeah, I agree. I should have never watched that debate because before that, I could have at least pretended that I liked, maybe could have possibly liked Karen Handel. But after watching yeah. that, I, I have no interest in Karen Handel either. No, there was, no, it was, yeah, not good. <laughs> Not good. Well, that was a joy. Thank you very much. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Sorry we ran late today. That was my fault. You, know, you got so much hate. What? No, I hate. love <laughs> You love the people of the 6th District. I, I think love, we're... If we have like a... What? I said I want to empower them. Yes. If we have a, a, to any set of people... Listen to our podcast who don't live in the sixth district. <laughs> they're gonna be like after the third one of these, they're like, uh, when is that election again? <laughs> the election well, is yeah. June twentieth. You will be freed from this. Hearing it's about just, it. Even it's, more. It has very hot topic. Very it's it's uh I guess after Memorial Day, 
Yes. Every, everybody takes off. And we've been on top. I must say, we have been ahead of this and gone deeper on this than anybody you, else has. You have. Been. You have. You really dug into it. I have been an eager consumer of your fine research. But you enlightened me on how how it's not just someone trying to win a district. It's it's a, a symbolic oh, yeah. representation yeah. of trying to turn the whole country into communist. Oh my God! I forgot that last part. Okay. <laughs> 30 more seconds. I'm sorry. You're right. so it's okay. All right. All right. John, Richard yeah. Ossoff, his dad, his dad, had, he, he commissioned his yacht. One of the yachts he bought, he commissioned his yacht from a, a custom yacht maker in China for multi-million dollars. He got the first one. He got the first model. He, he did the test model. They wrote articles on it. They rode around China testing this yacht that he, he had custom built and they treated him like royalty in the articles. And they had a big Chinese flag for waving off the back of Ossoff's yacht uh-huh. as they were testing it. And while riding on the yacht, unnamed Chinese diplomats were enjoying the first yeah. time on the yacht with him. Uh-huh. Talk about a globalist. That's scary. All right. Sorry. Sorry to keep you. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. No, I just get in trouble. I don't get, you know, you know, my primary occupation yes. is yes. wife and homemaker. It's not being, it's, it's not being my, uh, <laughs> my ranting friend. Yes. You're young. Monkey. No, my primary job is not being. Yes. I, yes. I know. <laughs> it's being my husband's yuck monkey. And, uh, Tell them, so. send my apologies. <laughs> No, I'm not going to tell him I was goofing off with you. That basically was cracking me up, and I just ignored your calls. So anyway, I will talk to you next time. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. See you later.